0: Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in a time of praise and reminder and surrender to God's holiness. Um, And God is a holy God, amen, deserving all of our worship. And we do worship him, and we're in this series through the book of Ephesians, uh, specifically in chapter 5 chapter 5, and this book of Ephesians has been messing me up, and so I don't know about you, but uh, I'm here today, and I got my seatbelt on, and I'm ready for for God to to speak in a real way. Uh, We've been in this series that we've titled Imitate. Everybody say the word imitate. 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 Uh, On this journey of being a follower of Jesus, we're learning how to imitate our dad, our father, our Lord. Jesus, and that's just not a, a catchy phrase that you'll hear at church. That's something that we really believe in that comes out of Ephesians 5, verse 1. Look at this verse with me on the screen. Actually, read it off the screen with me. Ready? One, two, three. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children that were called to be imitators of God. Uh, the word imitate means to become like or to take something or someone as a model to follow. What this text tells us, and I really believe it's helpful for us, is that because God our Father loves us so much to bring us into his family, to give us a new identity, to call us beloved children, we're called to be like him. And that it's the best thing for us to be like him. We are part of his family. How awesome is it? Hear me, church family. How amazing is it that if you are a follower of Jesus today, that if you've given him your yes, if you've said, "I believe in Jesus, that you're not an orphan, you're a son or a daughter." Right? Like here's how I want to put it. If everybody leaves you, if you feel completely rejected, down and out, completely without help, guess what? Ephesians 5:1 is your word. I'm still a son. I'm still a daughter. I'm still part of God's family. He chose me when I didn't choose him. And that's a good word for us to start because we never want to get outside of our identity. Our identity as beloved children drives our activity, right, as imitators. We imitate because we're loved children. If you got it, say, I got got it. I got it. I like how Major Ian Thomas says it in his book, The Indwelling Life of Christ. He says it like this. The the same life Jesus lived then, he lives now in and through us. So really our imitating is really a surrender to have the one we're imitating live his life through us. The thing that's miraculous about Christianity, the belief that we hold to, is that our God came down to live through us. Amen? So really when we talk about imitating, we're saying surrender remove yourself so Jesus can step in and live his life through you. It's a lifestyle of saying no to me, yes to him. And that gets a whole lot easier the more you say no to me, less to him, yes to him. So that's what we want to talk about. We're talking about being imitators, or as Charles Spurgeon said, sitting at the feet of Jesus must be succeeded by following in the footsteps of Jesus. As we imitate him, we become more like him. We Follow him. We're in Ephesians 5, and let's pick it up where we last left off last week in verse 8. We'll go ahead and read all the way through 14. The text says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Verse 10 says, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Verse 14, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word now and get ready to look at these texts, help us, God. Just join me right now, walk church. Just say, help us, God. Help me. God, help us now. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are open to you, open book to you. Give us minds that are ready to receive. Give us a posture of listening that we may grow In Christ, in Jesus' name, glorify yourself. Amen. Amen. Last week, we kicked off a two-part series within our imitation series that we titled Imitation by Illumination. Imitation by Illumination. So we're not just imitators, Walk Church. We're illuminators. What does that mean? I don't know about you, but I don't use the word illuminate too often in my language. Illuminate means to bring light. The word illuminate means to light up, to supply or brighten with light, to light something and make it brighter. So here's what I'm saying to you, Walk Church, today, that we're called to whatever space we're in, whatever place we're in, whatever house we live in, we're called to make it brighter. Everywhere we go, when we step foot in that room, we light it up, right? It's who we are. As imitators of Jesus, we light up the room. It invades every part of our life, doesn't it? that the light shines in our heart and through us and we just start lighting it up. I thought it was interesting. Kanye West, the great hip hop artist who just dropped an album this week uh, called Jesus is King, right? Declaring the kingship of Jesus. He was brought on to Jimmy Kimmel Live Tonight Show, right? And Jimmy asked him and said, hey, so Kanye, what's going on? Are you a Christian artist now? And I love his response. He said, I'm a Christian everything. He said, I'm not just a Christian artist. I'm a Christian everything, right? right? Everything is affected by the light. Everything I do is affected by the light. Everything I say is affected by the light. Everything I think is affection- affected by the light. Because I once was darkness. That's my testimony. But now, I love those but now statements. But now I'm light. It doesn't say I once was in darkness. No, I was. I was holistically dark. But now I'm light. I'm, I'm lighting it up, right? I'm I'm supplying light. I'm I'm making it brighter. I'm making it brighter. So we're talking about imitation by illumination. A defining reality we gave is this. We cannot imitate God without revealing light. The word reveal means to make something public, to display something on a public scene. So what are we displaying, church? Light. We're displaying light. Light. So let's jump into the verses that we, 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 we picked up from last week. Last week we finished at verse 9. What's next is verse 10. Let's introduce these verses here. Verse 10 says, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Now what happened for me is when I began studying for this message, I just tended to run past verse 10. I wanted to get to the dark verses because I knew that that was the context. And what was so interesting is the Holy Spirit was like, well, that wasn't really pleasing to me, right? The Lord was like, hold up, you just jumped a verse. The text says in verse 10 that we should try to discern what is pleasing to God. Let me ask you this, when's the last time you did that? When's the last time you got alone by yourself, not you and your spouse, not you and your pastor, not you and your best friend, not you and some worship music, just you in this book called the Bible, just you in a prayer closet, and you said, God, I have one question. Am I pleasing to you? Is what I'm doing pleasing to you? Is the life I'm living pleasing to you? Are the thoughts I'm thinking pleasing to you? Are the meditations of my heart pleasing to you. It says you got to try it, right? Don't knock it till you try it, all right? Try to discern. The word discern means to try to understand something, to try to perceive something, to try to figure it out. What are we figuring out, Walk Church? We're figuring out is, are the things we're doing pleasing to God? When it comes to darkness and light, this is a big deal. It's the difference between am I pleasing or not? I heard a pastor share this this past week. He was describing the the lifestyle of King Saul in the Old Testament and King David in the the Old Testament. He said, King Saul went through life asking this question, do people like me? Are people pleased with me? Where David went through life saying, is God pleased with me? What do you think, God? Are they perfect? No. But the difference between that mentality is everything. And here's what I want to say up front. That positionally, if you know Christ, guess what? He is pleased with you. If you have a relationship with Christ, God doesn't see you in your sin anymore. He sees his son covering your sin. He is pleased with you. That's good news, Hyden. Yeah, amen. Thank you for that. Good work. Thank you. Because uh, that's so good, right? Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. But this text right here is talking about practically, now, are the things I'm doing pleasing to the Lord? Is my lifestyle lining up with who I am positionally? So, so, so vertically, I'm good. God's pleased with me. But now horizontally, is he pleased with everything I'm doing? And that's where the Holy Spirit checks in, right? Because God in three persons, we need all three, don't we? We need God the Father. We need God the Son. We need God the Holy Spirit. He's transforming all of us one step at a time. And so sometimes I think it's important to just say, Lord, am I pleasing to you? Or as Leonard Ravenhill, the great revivalist out of England once said it, are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? i got to recover from the uppercut from Ravenhill, right? The things you're living for. What are you living for today? Maybe that's a question that you've never really thought about. What are you living for? Hopefully you're saying, you know what? I'm living for Christ, and he's living through me. My life is his. It's not even my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm a new person. That's what it means to say Jesus is king. I'm no longer the king of my life. So try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So let's keep on going. Let's see what happens next in verse 11. As we're on this journey, we're we're, we're trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We, We end up in verse 11. It says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them now this is a verse that somehow i just in my christian life just had just skipped skipped for a decade this is in there it is the negative is take no part in the unfruitful works you got to imitate by eliminate what are we eliminating here the word eliminate remember it means to get rid of something to chop it off, to let it go, to eliminate. what are we eliminating? The, the, the unfruitful works of darkness. the works of darkness, they're not producing any fruit. Goes back to a couple weeks ago when we talked about empty lives lead to an empty eternity.? Right? Empty fruit. I don't need some empty fruit. y'all ever seen like those like plastic fruits. Like That's what darkness produces. It'll mess you up. You'll try to eat one of those things, get a bunch of foam in your mouth, it'll kill you.? Right? It's empty fruit. Now what is dark fruit? Well I think it's the opposite of light fruit. Last week we described light fruit. Light fruit is good, right, and true. Whatever's good, whatever's right, whatever's true is light. That's almost like a rap. Uh, if that's the case, then whatever's bad and wrong and false is dark. So if whatever's light is good, then whatever's bad is dark. If whatever's right is good and light, then whatever's wrong is dark if whatever's true is light then whatever's false is dark so discern in your life is there anything that I'm doing that's false take no part in that you have a call to action today you showed up on this day I'm sorry I'm not sorry but this is the mail today I got my hat out (laughs) I got my mailman hat out and it's this challenge to say okay what's the author of the mail speaking to me Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. I would not have picked this scripture to preach on myself, but for whatever reason, God had it picked for us. So here we are. Whatever's bad, take no part in it. Whatever's wrong, take no part in it. Whatever's false, stop taking part in those things because those are fruitless, they're darkness. That's the negative. Now, what's the positive? What should we do about it? But instead, expose them. But instead, expose them. So not only are we imitators, but we're exposers. Clarification, we're not posers. We don't need any of that. We're exposers. We're bringing it to light. I like how J. Vernon McGee says it. He says, light reveals what the darkness conceals. That when we step in the room... And we step into the culture, and we step into the city, that we bring light into the place. And how neat is it? What a gift of God that he's chosen to drop us into the greatest city in the world that's often, that's often known for darkness. What a position we have. What a platform the church in Las Vegas has whereas many people say, this is the city of sin, we get to change that narrative. This is the city of him. How will that happen, amen, if we don't be light? The reason why our city is known as the city of sin is because we're not light enough. When our brightness begins to take over sin, people say, man, that's the city of him. God is all over that place. He's shaking it up, and I believe that we can see it happen. I want to see it happen in my lifetime. I want to see a shift in the narrative. You go to Las Vegas to meet Jesus because he's all over that city, right? Because guess what? The church is called to be light. As we imitate God, we reveal his light. And part of that, verse 11 tells us, is that it's going to look like exposing darkness. I'm going to do something here right now and It's going to be challenging. Uh, To be honest, it's a bit risky. Um, It's a bit challenging for me uh, to do this, but I really sense an impression from the Lord Jesus to be an expositor of darkness today. I I brought my my tool with me, my flashlight, and we're going to expose some things of darkness. Oh, man, I'm hitting y'all. I'm trying to get everybody so so one of y'all is like, oh, man, he just pointed it right on me. No, I pointed on everybody, all right? I'm pointing it on me. I'm pointing it all up on me, okay? Exposing darkness here today at Walk Church. And I want to expose some things that are in our culture, that are invading our culture, that are tearing our culture apart, our city apart. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, and the church apart too, right? That Jesus says... I'm not of the world, but I'm definitely in the world. And so are we. So much so we meet in a public middle school. right? We're definitely in the world. right? But we're not called to imitate the world. We're called to imitate Christ. So let, let's look at some of these topics in the text today. If you, if you just do a casual read through Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 10, you'll see that there's some very real topics that Paul is speaking to when it came to the Ephesus church that I really believe are similar to, to our culture today, right? So I'm going I'm to shine a light on one of them that was talked about in the previous 10 verses that I, wanna, I really believe needs some more light shine on it uh, today, all right? So let's go ahead and see what this first one is. Oh man, crickets, <laughs> sexual sin. We, we, we are shining a light on sexual sin here today in the house, right? And this is a topic that deserves treatment because Ephesians 5 verse 3 says, let there not even be a hint of sexual sin among you. Now, the Greek word for sexual sin is the word uh, porneia. The Greek word that's on display is the word uh, porneia. So let me go ahead and highlight this next one, right? right? Let's shine a light on this tough word, yet we're talking about it at church, get uncomfortable, right? It's happening, but it's important that we talk about it because I really believe that this is a subject that we have swept under the rug in our culture, and we've left the world to figure it out for us, and we need to expose some things to be healed. As I've studied this topic, I'm learning more and more that it is killing culture, It's killing society. It is killing the church. The amount of numbers of pastors that leave the ministry every single year because of this not being shined upon is tearing the church apart. Lightworkers.com that has done some polling and research on the subject of pornography says every second. Everybody say second. Second. That doesn't say week, hour, month, year. That says second, y'all. Right this second moment, 28,258 users are watching pornography. On the internet, $3,075.64 is being spent, and 372 people are typing the word adult into a search engine. Unfortunately, listen to me, even young children know how to type the word adult, and more they do, the more they give away their childhood that these statistics should be startling, let us put a light on it, amen? Because the text tells us that we're we're, we're researching right now in Ephesians 5 that if something becomes visible, it becomes light, and when it becomes light, it can grow. It can change. It it loses its power. Have, Have you ever seen any of the movies with the darkness and the zombies, like I Am Legend with Will Smith, right? The moment one of those demonic forces saw the light, it's over. We're gonna expose some things, In this message. Some other polling that I saw in research was that 200,000 Americans are classified as porn addicts. 1 in 10 kids under 10 have seen pornography. The average age of a child's first exposure to pornography is 11 years old. Man, pornography has been linked to feelings. Now listen to me. Pornography has been the, the, the common link to feelings of isolation, mental illness, depression, and suicidal thoughts. I don't know if there's a more dark issue. This is darkness on display. Psychologytoday.com released an article saying that roughly 60% of reported divorces have claimed that internet pornography played the significant role in making the decision. So 60% of marriages have ended because of internet pornography, we, we need to shine a light on this subject, amen? amen? That this is something that the church shouldn't put their tail between the legs and say, you know what, I don't want to talk about it. That's too, uh, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. But let me tell you something, Jesus did. Amen. Jesus continuously spoke about these issues of Darkness. In fact, he said the, the world is dark. I'm bringing light. I'm bringing exposure. Yeah. Jesus stepped into the world, right? They said, Mary, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to be light. And the world is going to hate it because the world is dark. But what happened, church? Where, where did we lose our light? This is something that we need to embrace as our call to be light. There was recently a CNN special with news anchor Lisa Ling, who interviewed Alexander Rhodes, who was a man who started a porn recovery site called No Fan. And in this in-depth interview, she asked him about, she asked him about why he started this site that has just blown up because people are in desperate need. And in the interview, she says, "So what happened? Why did you start this site? Why did you go on this?" journey and here's what he says in the interview he says well this is why right here right now people don't want to talk about porn they don't want to talk about porn 20 years ago they still think it's an awkward subject to talk about today but we need to get past the awkwardness and realize that if we don't teach our kids about it the porn sites will teach our kids for us and i don't want to i don't want that to be the case so as as leaders as believers as Christians we're little Christ we're little glow we're little shining in the dark moments we're called to expose darkness Ephesians 5:11 says take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness if you're taking part in darkness stuff that's wrong stuff that's bad stuff that's not true these things are lies airbrushed images on a camera don't take part in those dark things, but instead expose them. Sexual sin is a killer. Did you know that we have 34 strip clubs right here in our own city? We, we are known as a top five city in the world to go to to find availability. I'm praying for all 34 to go out of business in my lifetime. Put a light on it. Amen? Put a light on it. Put a light on it. Put a light on it. Church, put a light on it. It's imitation by illumination. You can put your headphones on if you want, but the world's not. The world's loud about this. Our city is loud about this. Our church is quiet about this. Jesus loves you. Yeah, enough to expose you. Like I praise God that the Lord exposed these things in my life to help heal me and set me free. And you could put the light on me today. You could put the light on us today. And he could expose some things because he loves us. He wants to free us, amen? Amen. Anything outside of God's design for marriage, which is one man, one woman, in perfect covenant communion together, anything outside of that where God is in the middle of the marriage relationship is sexual sin, type of sexual activity outside of that. And we must shine a light on it to experience freedom in it and grow deeper with him. Let me go ahead and shine a light on a second one that I believe is equally as destructive and deep today that we need to put a light on. It's the issue of idolatry. It's the issue of idolatry. Idolatry is an issue pervading our culture today that sometimes we don't give the attention that it really deserves, and here's why. Because we don't understand it. Like, when I first heard of idolatry, I'm like, I don't have no like, false God statues in my house. Yes, I do. You ever seen the little green mermaid on the cup? You ever seen a bouncing orange ball? We can make anything an idol. Anything an idol. Calvin said, Our hearts are idol factories producing idols daily. Maybe you're, you're asking the question today what's an idol? Let me give you a working definition that Dr. Timothy Keller says when it comes to idols. He says, what is an idol? It's anything more important to you than God. It's anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. It's anything you seek to give you, what only God can give. There's things in your life that you're seeking to give you, what only he himself can created you to get from him. It is an idol. And maybe today, the best thing you could do is say, you know what? I got idols in my life. I never knew it until today, but it was like a mask got ripped off, and I've been making my spouse an idol. No wonder we get mad at each other all the time. We idolize each other. We need to look up. Right? I I can shine this light on myself because for the majority of my life, I had the idolatry of basketball on my heart. Right? It, it became my God. Right? I, it became the thing that I looked for. It became more important to me than God. It became the thing that absorbed my heart. It became my imagination more than God. I sought to give it. I sought for it to give me what only God could give. Right? So, so I think back and I'm like, man, no wonder why when I had a good game I was so happy because my God was working. But when I had a bad game I was so down because my God let me down. But the ball was never meant to be God. What a lousy God. Right? Like, what a lousy God to make a game? And guess what? Jesus loves sports. Just not when they become his place. Here's what an idol is. Here's what idolatry is. Let me give you a reality statement for idolatry. Imitation says, I want to be like God. Idolatry says, I want to be God. You catch the difference? Imitation says, God is holy. I want to be holy. Imitation says, Jesus is loving. I need to be more loving. Imitation says, my God is light. I need to be light. Idolatry says, I don't need God. I'll be God. Idolatry says, you know, I'm not going to be like God. I'm just going to replace God. And when we start replacing God, there's this exchange that happens where we then become the ruler. We become the Lord. We become the King. We become the God. And we start letting everybody else around us be down because we were never meant to be God. And guess what? We let ourselves down. It's what happened in the Roman church in Romans 1 verse 25. Paul writes to the Roman church and he says that they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. I pray that that can't be said about Las Vegas, that that, you know, when it came to walk church, man, what they did was they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. I hope that never is the case. Here's what they did. They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator, capital C, who was forever praised. Amen. We have to have an exchange, church, where our culture is infested with worshiping created things but not impressed with the Creator. Martin Luther said, every day the birds are chirping a sermon, saying, look at how good God is. He made me. He fed me. I'm just chirping away to the praise of God. We should learn from them, right, that God is on display. We should be impressed with him. There's another scripture in the book of Isaiah that tells us that God is the potter and we are the clay. How foolish is it to imagine clay saying, No, Potter, don't do that. Don't mold me like that. Friend, we are the clay, not the potter. And, and and it's not our call to call the potter what to do. It's the potter's job to make us into a beautiful masterpiece. And he does, he does, doesn't he? He makes us into his masterpiece. He's created us in his own image. We're image bearers of God. We have to shine. God, God shines in the darkness. We're imitating him. So, let, so in this context of idolatry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on one more tough issue. And I believe it falls under the category of idolatry. And, and it's important uh, that we talk about it. All right? It's this topic right here, the topic of abortion. Now, this topic right here is sticky, risky, touchy, dangerous, dangerous. I am well aware of the deep end that I'm swimming in right now, all right? I, I, I recognize that this topic right here has the, the, the ability to separate uh, the room, but let me be clear on something right now. I want to be crystal clear that, that this isn't a left issue. This isn't a right issue. This is a biblical issue. That the topic of abortion, I'll clap with you on that is a topic that finds its home in the Bible. That this topic is loud on display inside this book. And and, and we would be remiss to not bring it up. That this subject right here has, has been in our culture and is getting a lot of attention in the political world. But guess what? This isn't a political issue. This is a biblical issue. And it's an issue that the church needs to rise up and have a voice again. Because God does. Let me show it to you out of Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. The scripture says, David writing, he says, You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. How about that right there? Can we just park there for a second? Just... Put it in part for a second. That, that David is prophetically saying that before he was even born, before he came out of the womb, God got his knitting tools together and said, I'm about to make a masterpiece. I'm about to make me a David. I, I'm about to make me a Gary. Right? I'm about to make me a Tracy. Come on, I'm about to make me a Jordan, right? I'm about to start knitting this beautiful masterpiece together. I'm a potter. I got vision. I got dreams. I got purpose. I got plans. I got light. I got vision for this masterpiece. I'm going to make this person. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. And then we think we have the authority to step in and kill it. We're not God. That's not our position. We're we're called to say, go God. Do it, God. Put it together, God. Make it happen, God. And somehow we in our idolatrous selves have thought that we think it's okay for us to say, no, 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 God, that's my choice. It's not our choice. It's God's choice. The minute he starts knitting is the minute that it's his life. David says that it's, inward that he knitted me together and guess what he says I praise you God I praise you you know why because I'm fearfully the devil better get scared when I got made right the darkness got became afraid I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well friends this is Deeply a biblical issue, and the church has to find her voice again to call out darkness, to expose darkness for what it really is. I I, I know that it's a touchy subject. I know there's different cases and in different situations that deserve more treatment, more conversation. I am totally well aware of that, and there should be conversation, but over 98% of abortions that happen in America alone are because a person said it's an inconvenience for me, and that right there is dark. That, That right there is complete Dark. And it's something that we need to say, okay, hold up. I I, I need to to tap into this and call it out for what it is. I I was reading a book this past week called uh, Counterculture. Counterculture. And this book was helpful for me. It's authored by a pastor, author, leader, Dr. David Platt. Uh, We have these for sale at our bookstore today, a fascinating read. He talks on several different topics from sexual sin to abortion to all the different topics that are invading our culture here today. If you don't have the 10, we'd love to bless you with it because we believe it's important to get this book in your hands. Following Christ in an anti-Christian age. Here's what David Platt says in the book. He says, "Across the world, More than 42 million abortions occur every year. That's 115,000 abortions every single day. I find it hard to fathom that number when I look at the faces of my four children each night as I put them to bed. I find it hard to imagine the 115,000 other children who that day were introduced to the world with a tool or a pill aimed at taking their lives. I find it hardest to comprehend how I, for so long, could show no concern for this gruesome global reality. And that's where a lot of us are today. That's where I have been for a lot of my life. I'm not concerned about that. That's not my problem. He goes on to say, The worldwide practice of abortion is why I do not believe it is anywhere close to an overstatement to call abortion a modern holocaust. My intention in saying this is in no way to downplay the horror of the Holocaust and the mass murder of six million Jewish men and women and children over a few short years. But we're talking here about the massacre of 42 million unborn children every single year, church. And just as German Christians should not have ignored the reality of what was happening in concentration camps across their country, I should not have ignored and American Christians must not ignore and Walk Church cannot ignore the reality of what is happening in abortion clinics across our country and around the world today. As multitudes of babies are dismembered and destroyed daily, this is clearly an issue where the gospel requires us to counter culture. Hear me and hear me well. This is not a political sermon. I am not interested in those type of discussions. Here's what the mail from God says. That God is saying, I'm loud on this issue. That these lives are precious to me. And I love them. And let me give a a reminder here to everybody that's listening. Today, if this is your testimony and in your story you've had an abortion before or you're a male and you've introduced that to somebody before, let me tell you something, God still loves you. He loves you deeply. He'll forgive you for that decision. He will forgive you and and cleanse you and wipe you clean from that decision. And guess what, here's the really good news. If you know Jesus, you'll see that baby. You'll see that baby in heaven. You'll see that baby in heaven. Because that's where those babies go. Even when David lost a baby, it was then that he declared, I will see him again. We believe that that is true from the scripture. So let me ask you some challenging questions from the book of Proverbs here today. Proverbs 31, verse 8, says it like this Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. The word destitute means somebody in need. Somebody in need. Speak up. That that we're called to be people that shine light because we spoke up. It it, it brought light into the world because we spoke up. Do you know that in the beginning there was a big bang? You know why? Because God said, let there be light, and there was a bang. There was a bang. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? God spoke up. God just said, let there be light, and it was an explosion that happened. I-, I believe in that. That's not a theory. That's the Bible. Let's just get back to this book. It's got everything we need in it. Amen? Right, let, let's get back to this reality that God spoke, and it lit up. So, so we need to speak up for those who cannot speak. Proverbs 24, verse 10 through 12 talks about it like this. The Scripture says, if you faint in the day of adversity... Your strength is small, church. Don't faint. All right, y'all still here? Come look at the person next to you. You say you still here? Yeah. All right, we good? Come on, stick with me. Stick with me. And I, and I, and this 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 sermon I know has the, the the power to make maybe maybe question if you'll come back or not. I hope you will. I love you. I want you to come back. I want you to grow deeper into Christ with us and take these next steps together. This isn't a perfect church. This is a progressing church. So we're getting, we believe in progress. This is walk church. Let's take our next step following Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's what we want to do. We just want to keep growing. I don't want to go backwards. I already did that. My eyes are going forward. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So here's what we got to do we got to be a rescuer. If you're an imitator, you're a rescuer. Our God is a rescuing God. Come on, raise your hand if you've been rescued, amen? Amen. Come on, I got both of them. I got my legs. I've been rescued, right? God has rescued me. He he, he saves us. He rescues us. Let's imitate him and rescue. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Rescue them. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we didn't know this. Well, does not he who weighs your heart perceive it? You think you're going to pull a fast one on God? You're not. He's got x-ray vision. He's not weighing your actions as much as he's weighing your heart. He's weighing your heart. Why are they here? Try to discern. Am I pleasing to the Lord? This is Ephesians 5, right? Does not... Does not he who keeps watch over your soul? Who's keeping watch over your soul? God is. Praise him. Does he not know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Here's what he's saying here. He's saying speak up, wake up, rescue up somebody in this idolatry filled world. This, this culture that we live in right now, you do know it's filled with idolatry, don't you? Let me, let me, let me put it like this. Adweek.com just released an article saying that 1,000 selfies are posted to Instagram every 10 seconds. People love themselves, amen? (laughs) There are 93 million selfies that happen each day, which would represent 2,500,000 rolls of film. From October 2011 to November of 2017, there were 259 selfie deaths. That's more than shark deaths. This is a dark issue. I, I felt it. I felt it. I felt it recently. Can I be on it? Where's my flashlight? I felt it recently, church. Uh, we took a mission trip to Portland, Oregon to work with our church planning partner, Remedy City. Got a woo there. And w- we got to go to Multnomah Falls. It's this beautiful waterfall. And I said, ooh, 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 give me a picture in front of the falls and, and use the blur effect to blur out everything and make me the center of the picture. You got a beautiful waterfall. It's a sight. It's not about me. Blur it out because I want everybody to see me. What are we doing? In our selfie, what happened to just look at that? Look at God. Look at what God did. Right? We're putting the depth effect on God fade me out fade me out look at god just fade me out let me get let me inch out so he can get the glory in this selfie filled world this this is an idolatrous topic because it says i would rather choose myself than my god and we can't do that anymore we got to shine light on that we got to expose that we got to bring that out and we got to do it with grace we got to do it with patience we got to do it with light amen as we as we get ready to close this this sermon, um, I want to just finish with looking at Ephesians chapter five, uh, verse fourteen. Verse fourteen says, wh- wh- "Where do we go from here? Um, wh- what should we do about this topic?" Uh, here is what we should do, church: we should wake up. I mean, look at the person next to you and really tell them if they're sleeping, wake up. <laughs> this is a good text if someone's falling asleep in church. Hey, they fell asleep during Paul's sermon. I mean, he preached for six hours, but it's still. uh, For if anything becomes visible, it's light. Therefore, it says, wake up. Awake, oh sleeper. Some of us have been sleeping for far too long. And sleep is a good thing, but it's not God. Sleep is evidence that God is God. Does God sleep? No. Right? We, we sleep because we're not able to do what he can do. Too often we're saying, God, I'm checking you out. I'm checking me in. We need to check ourselves out and check God in. Control my life. I made a mess of it. It's not working for me. I need to check you in, God. Just do everything. Just lead. Lead my life. Here's the controls. Just tell me what to do, where to go, what to say. I'll follow you awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. You could literally rise from the dead today. Today could become your birthday, spiritually. You say, yo, today, October 27th, I was at Walk Church, and I rose from the dead. I just rose from the grave of my past and my sin and my shame, and I'm a new person. I'm a rescuer. I've been rescued to rescue. I've been set free to set free. I've been loved to love. I've been healed to heal. God will do that in you. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ, here's a promise, will shine on you. Christ will take his beam and just shine it on you. Shine it on you. Shine it on you. Shine it on us. Amen? And we need it. Amen. We need it. Here's what it looks like. It says, okay, I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to him. I'm turning from past." turning to god turning from 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 my old ways i'm turning to his ways and i woke up i put my faith in christ who died and rose and is alive today i want to give you a chance to do that right now let's pray